Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your co-host Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite, and we have our third appearance for Rutgers Basketball Insider, Richard Kent. Richard, thank you so much once again for joining us. You have my, a, a ton of stuff to talk about here. My pleasure. I'm even wearing for you my favorite Rutgers sweatshirt. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, I like it better than the Block R for this reason. I interview for Rutgers at college fairs, and when I have my R on, I've gotten a few people to ask me if it's Radford. So oh, geez. Yeah, I'm done with that. <laughs> well, hopefully as the brand gets bigger and uh, the Big Ten continues to grow, that'll that'll change for the for the better. Um, but Rutgers had uh, quite a few things this basketball-wise that happened in the past few weeks. Uh, so I want to kind of touch base with you on all those. So first, Rutgers got a transfer in in, in Noah Fernandez. Uh, he visited uh, two weeks ago and he committed uh, to, to Rutgers. And do you see him as the starting point guard next year? I do. He's a tremendous get for Rutgers. And it's my understanding that he came on his visit with his girlfriend. I, I, I think he may I think he may have a child with his girlfriend or, or he I, does. I don't know if that's accurate, but I guess you guys do. And I, and I and I'm under the understanding that she had a tremendous visit as well. So I, I would pencil him in. I'm not worried about his size at all. Um he was injured last year at UMass, but uh, he's he's a really big time player. And after after the Timberlake kid from Towson, uh, I, I I would certainly take Fernandez. I think Timberlake's either going to go to UConn or UNC. Who was Rutgers' main competition when they landed Fernandez? Well, we know that he had a visit scheduled at Butler. And we also, well, I don't know if we do, but I'm under the impression that once Derek Kellogg left UMass and went to Creighton, that Creighton started to get involved in the picture. Literally, I think he was at Rutgers on a Friday and a Saturday, literally like Thursday or Friday, Creighton got involved. But, you know, Rutgers certainly beat out Butler. We know that. Was this a guy that Rutgers immediately targeted as one of their top portal targets when he entered the portal? I I, I can't opine on immediately because I don't know if that's accurate. Got it. Yeah, so Rutgers also added another uh, player to the program, not not the men's program, but the women's program. I wanted to talk a little bit about Destiny Adams. Um, obviously, her numbers in high school are phenomenal. NJ Gatorade Player of the Year. But can you talk a little bit about uh, about her coming to Rutgers? Yeah, I think I think it's I reached out to I represent a Big Ten coach, so I reached out to that coach. The coach said to me that she's a really good athlete, you know, not necessarily a really good shooter, but a really good athlete. And Rutgers has historically had a number of really good athletes, not, you know, other than Shawnetta Stewart and Heather Zurich, you know, not a great amount of great shooters. Obviously, Cappy was a great shooter. Obviously, Epiphany Prince was a great shooter. But, uh, you know, this, this probably fall, falls more into the athlete mode. But I think it's important for another reason. She's from New Jersey. 
which is huge. And I mean, I was not hearing good stuff about Rutgers on the recruiting trail. So for there to be some buzz created, it's certainly important. Now, I can't hook her up with her brother at all because I, I, I mean, they would never even play together. Uh, is my understanding. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really. It, it, listen, it was not a package deal between Coquise and Steve Peichel, and I don't know if it has any impact at all on her brother. So I, 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 I can't even. No matter what the wild speculation is, I can't say that. Yeah, I, I know you can't take a 15 year old's Instagram comment saying I'm going to go wherever you go <laughs> uh, to heart, but. That is what happened. Now, uh, what what are you hearing in regards to your brother? I, I think you recall, or you told me that another uh, local school's after him as well. No, I, I really, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Villanova certainly involved mm-hmm. with with her brother. Uh, I, I really don't. I didn't know much about him until I saw that she committed. So I'm 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 no expert gotcha. on him. What are you hearing about some of the top targets Rutgers is recruiting, though, from the the high school ranks of Dylan Harper, Tyler Betsy? Do you have any new information on where they're leaning, what's going on with their recruitments? I continue to feel really good about Dylan Harper. I have for a long time. I know his mom is really influential in this thing. Not that his dad isn't, not that his brother isn't. But, you know, when everybody talks about the five schools, the five schools is two schools, Rutgers and Duke, and I know this is imprecise at best, but I would say 60-40 towards Rutgers. That's kind of the vibe overall, because, I mean, obviously Ace Bailey, their friendship isn't going to decide whether or not he comes here, but it seems like he's going out of his way to spend a lot of time with Ace Bailey um, in terms of, you know, going to the junior national mini camp in Houston over the Final Four, spending time with his AAU program a week later. And they had a really good uh, tournament wherever they were playing. I think they blew out both teams by 30-plus points. But just feels like more and more leaning towards Rutgers. So I'm glad that what you're hearing is backing that up as well. It is. And, and, and I'm not optimistic on Tyler Betsy. I think you know that I was in the gym at St. Thomas More when John Shire was there. And he offered him. I mean, I, I, I would say that that kid's going to go. And he's tremendous, by the way. I would say that kid's going to go to Duke or UConn. He, you know, not only is he a prep school kid in Connecticut, but he's a Connecticut kid. So, I mean, that, that's, that's really important. So I, I would not put too many eggs into the Tyler Betsy basket. Fair enough. So, so let's move on to the, the next topic, um, the, the main topic, assistant coaching search. Well, what's the latest you're kind of hearing on that? I know everyone wants to talk about Brett McConnell. So is there anything going on there? Well, I was told by a really good source that Steve Peichel had over 100, 100 text messages within the 24 hours after Carl Hobbs announced that he was departing. Um, and so his phone Jay still Kyle, works. Right. <laughs> he didn't smash that phone. Right. <laughs> we got a new one. <laughs> and Jay, Jay Young is a good friend of mine. He's now the Fairfield coach. And Jay Young himself told me that he had 30 text messages from people wanting to know Steve Peichel's cell phone number, which he doesn't give wow. out. Wow. So, I, I mean, listen, it's a coveted job. It pays well. Rutgers is in the Big Ten. And it's a little late right now. I mean, we're, we're more yeah. than halfway through April. But, you know, two things we need to know about Steve. He's, one, very deliberate, and two, very loyal. 
So I, I would be stupefied if this was a, you know, a left field hire from Wichita or something. Yep. I mean, I, I would think it's going to be somebody with a UConn connection. I don't know if it's going to be a staff elevation at Rutgers, uh, but that, you know, that once again would predispose loyalty. And I know you asked me about Brett McConnell. Uh, I, I've had a, I've had a front seat to, well, I, I think I fir first met him when he was six or eight years old. I went to a baseball, <laughs> I went to a baseball game with him and his dad. His dad is, you know, obviously pretty renowned at Rutgers. Um, and I think he'd be a tremendous hire on, on many levels. Um, you know, I, I, I know some people say, yeah, but he's at Princeton. Well, Brett is a ferocious recruiter and he's a ferocious recruiter, not in the Ivy league, not that that should denigrate anybody as a recruiter, but he's known as a ferocious recruiter nationally. And I think we all know the name that I first posted in January on the Rutgers board, Tosana Woma, when somebody accused me of posting the name of a disease on the, <laughs> on the Rutgers board, but Tosana Woma was found 100% by Brett. Do you think it's realistic that Brett ends up at Rutgers or has, has that not seemed as likely as, you know, more interest has come in for the position? I don't think it's realistic that any one person will end up at Rutgers at this juncture. I mean, I would think, I mean, I know this is a silly comment, but I would think that everybody has a one in a hundred chance at this point. Sure. So I, I can't say anybody's likely now. Now, I, I don't know. I never really got great insight as to why Carl Hobbs left. I mean, some people have speculated that it's mutual, but, you know, as, as we just said, Steve is a very loyal guy. Uh, he worked for Carl Hobbs at GW and, you know, St Steve, Obviously, Steve is a Rutgers guy, but Steve also is, you know, he's a UConn alum and he knows what the UConn program has done for people. So I don't know if it was mutual or not. I, and I, I, you know, I know that Carl Hobbs tried to get involved in some head coaching uh, situations and didn't end up getting them. So I, I, I don't know why the move. So, so now is there like a, a feeling of where Pike kind of wants to go next? Would you, do you think he wants to go with another veteran presence or do you think he wants to go with that recruiting shark mentality? You know, that, that, that's a great question. Um, I, once again, I, I don't know that I'm competent to answer that. Um, he's got T, TJ and, and, and Knight are, are both great, recruiters I, I i will say this and and i don't know how much efficacy i can i can place in this but one person said that he may end up and i don't know if this is this position or another position hiring an nil general manager like um villanova hired baker dunleavy who was the coach at quinnipiac hmm. but I, I would think if he does that that would be another position hmm. I mean, it's clearly kind of needed as Rutgers recruiting has improved. NIL becomes more and more important as more competition is there. And we've seen that kind of recently with uh, one of our commitments in 2023. Sounds like there's a late surge via another school for NIL. Are you hearing anything about Bay Nadongo uh, regarding, you know, people coming in late for him? Well, 
the the most important thing is he's still committed to Rutgers. He is not yep. decommitted from Rutgers. And I, I have, once again, I have no firsthand knowledge, but everybody and their sister has told me about George about Georgetown. So I got to believe that where there's smoke, there's some fire. Um, I, I actually, I've seen Georgetown mentioned with more people than St. John's at this juncture. And you would have you would have thought that St. John's, since he got rid of his entire roster, except for Soriano, would be mentioned. He, he did he did get three kids already, obviously. He, he got the Yukon kid and he got two Iona kids. But um yeah, Georgetown li- listen, Cooley is a tremendous hire. And Cooley has tremendous connections. And you you've got right now a cadre of coaches in the Big East, I would say better than any conference in the country. It's been a long time since the Big East has had that much star power at their coaching positions across the board. Um, Obviously, if you look at like the 80s, it's like a who's who of uh, Hall of Fame coaches. It's not that good, but it's still very, very, very good right now. Um, And I I mean, you know, people say, well, Providence is in deep trouble. The person who anointed Kim English at Providence was Billy Donovan. Wow. So, I mean... Billy Billy Donovan was not only a great Providence player, but he's pretty renowned in the coaching circles now. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, so kind of moving on a little bit, Rutgers has three transfers in the portal too. Um, what's the latest on those guys between Jalen Miller, Dean Reber, and Oscar Palmquist? Well, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Dean Reber was offered around $70,000 by Youngstown State. You might know that Ben Asher wow. – is at Youngstown State, and I was told that Youngstown State has a $300,000 men's basketball collective, which is a big number, and I don't think that's far off what the Rutgers number is. So, I mean, that just for ba- for men's basketball, that is. Uh, I was also told that Dean Reber may go home and go to Charlotte. So I think those are the two schools – involved for Dean Reber. Uh, Oscar Palmquist apparently is really interested in going to Montana. Um, I, I know nothing about Montana. Uh, Montana, Montana as a state or Montana basketball at all. Yeah, that's uh, and then uh, what about Jalen Miller as well? I know that Cornell reached out to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, not a lot of Ivies can dip into the portal. Uh, Yale, Harvard, and Princeton don't and can't probably for a number of reasons. One of which is you got to get your application into the, you, you can't just all of a sudden go there. Um, but I'm, it's my understanding that Penn and Cornell have until uh, May the uh, April the 30th to utilize the portal. So I, I do know that Brian Earl, who's at Cornell, was in touch with Jalen Miller. Interesting. Um, so this, we've, we've talked about basketball scheduling a couple times with you. Um, there's obviously an MSG game that's been talked about. Are you hearing any more clarity on what will happen with the Madison Square Garden game this year? Because it sounds like it's going to happen. It's just who the opponent is going to be. Yeah, it would be a stunner to me if it didn't happen. Um, I've had uh, I've had two people tell me it's could be St. John's. I had one person tell me it's not going to be St. John's. The first time I heard about St. John's was when Mike Anderson was the coach at St. John's. So now we have a new coach at St. John's. 
but I can't imagine that Rick Pitino is afraid of playing Rutgers at Madison Square Garden. So no. I, I, I guess it could be St. John's. We continue to hear Gonzaga, but I am confident that it's, you know, it's not going to be the Jimmy V. It's not going to be the CBS Sports Classic. It's going to be a game at Madison Square Garden. I'm relatively certain. I mean, I am certain that Rutgers is not playing in a holiday tournament over Thanksgiving or over Christmas. I, I, I did get some hopeful vibes that will happen in 2024. And I got some hopeful yeah. vibes that Rutgers has talked to the Bahamar in the Bahamas uh, people. So that would be a, a great trip for uh, Rutgers fans. I would love to, to go on a vacation, see some Rutgers basketball, uh, the best of both worlds there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually going to the Cayman Islands. I got an invite. I'm, I'm friends with the LSU women's coach, Kim Mulkey, and she's going to be down there along with UConn and UCLA in a women's tournament over Thanksgiving. And that, that should be fun. That sounds great. Yeah, uh, could Rutgers awesome. potentially play St. John's in the Gavit games and have a separate game at MSG? Of course. I mean, but uh, um, Rutgers has played St. John's in, in the Gavit games before. Okay. So, so that would eliminate that game from happening. Again. It wouldn't eliminate uh, Rutgers will be in the Gavit game and Rutgers will have Gavit games and Rutgers will have a rack game. I just, I'm kind of thinking it wouldn't be St. John's. I'm virtually positive it won't be DePaul again. I, I'd love I it. <laughs> you know, I'd love it to be an upper echelon team. Uh, everybody's dream would be either Villanova or UConn. So we'll, we'll see. Now, the Gavit Games is coming to an end soon, right? If I, I recall correctly. No, it hasn't been announced officially, but I do think 2023 is the last one. Okay. Any ideas why they want to get rid of it? I always thought no. it was a pretty cool little rivalry. No idea. Um, I wonder if it's because the Gavit games are controlled by like ESPN and the Ooh. Big Ten's no longer having a relationship that. with the Big Ten. It's possible. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Now, in terms of out-of-conference schedules, um, I know we talked about it off the pod, but I want to talk about it a little bit on the pod. How important is it to get better teams on this out-of-conference schedule? I think it's really important. I think <clears throat> that it's a tremendous misconception that out-of-conference schedule merges into the conference schedule by way of the selection committee deliberations. It's a separate entity to the extent that you control 100% your out-of-conference schedule. And I, I, I mean, I guess one could argue that Rutgers doesn't control the Seton Hall schedule game, the Hardwood Classic, but I think it does. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how much that's Pat, Pat Hobbs since he was the AD at Seton Hall, but Rutgers controls who Rutgers plays. And I just think there's better ways to do it for a number of reasons, including the fans in December. I think there's better ways to do it than to play Stonehill and LIU. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some value in having a couple games like that just to get, you know, warmed up, get some younger players on the court. But if it's eight or nine games like that versus three or four, it really does kind of drag the whole schedule down. I agree. Yeah. I think it would be six. I don't know that it would be eight, but um, we'll see. I mean, listen, we know there's going to be more. Let's let's put it this way. We know there's going to be more Stonehills and LIUs. Yep. Yeah, honestly, it doesn't even matter who they are. Just, I mean, ideally, it's a closer school, so they don't have to pay more for, you know, to fly a school in. Because, you know, there's a lot of money associated with these buy these games to get teams to come basically get their asses kicked at your home court. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I, like to, I like to look 
just out of idle curiosity at StubHub before Rutgers games. And I'm pretty sure that I saw the Central Connecticut game and a couple of other games, you know, tickets going for 5 to $10 the day before those games. I'm, I'm relatively certain that if you had, you know, even, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't even know how to pick a name, but if you had a, a team in the, in the mid-150s, there'd be some buzz and those tickets would not be going for that. Yeah, I think the only school that fit that bill last year was <clears throat> UMass Lowell. Um, who we beat pretty handily. I think we won by like 15 points and they were like around 140 in Ken Palm when we played them. So yeah, it'd be yeah nice I mean, to that, play more teams like that. I mean, people talked about Coppin State like they were Duke, but <laughs> but they weren't. I mean, it ended up being, Howard ended up being the NCAA uh, uh, selection from that conference. Yeah, there, there's so many new, like I'm just looking through it now, like play, why not play a Vermont or um who else oh, i could play hofstra every year like i thought hofstra is a good little game i know that's not 150 it's more of like the 200 range but it's still better than a 320 team or a 310 team you're playing isn't there isn't there a team that's kind of close by that's about 90 or 100 uh who are, we talking? Oh, yeah, are they an ivy league team yeah. <laughs> I, I i believe so yeah i mean yeah, yeah. but but th- th- there's few things we can guarantee in life, and that's one of them that that's not happening. Damn, I think it would be cool to have similar to you know how the like obviously the Big Five or the yeah the Big Five in Philadelphia's changing out of the Big Six, and they've kind of restructured mm-hmm. how they're going to do that whole tournament. It would be cool if New Jersey had something like that every year, where they had you know a championship game between all six. Is there six uh, Division One basketball programs? In yeah, state? but it's not. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It yeah. won't happen, but it, it you know it'd be a nice idea. It'd be something to, that everyone in New Jersey could look forward to every year. But the thing that surprises me about the Big Six, Big Five, Big Six is that it's not at the Palestra; it's it's at Wells Fargo. Yeah, that's going to take a lot of the, the the mystique away from it. I feel because mm-hmm. um, every it was it's always been at the Palestra. I don't know why, other than making more money that they're moving it. But money, you know why? Wins out. Making more money. Yeah, yep. <laughs> usually wins out. <laughs> yep. Tradition be damned. Yeah, yep. so the almighty dollar. Um, so now I, I know we usually talk basketball here, but I want to ask you something about football. So you're hearing some good things I hear about a, Rutgers, a certain Rutgers quarterback commit in A.J. Serace. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, asked, I've asked around here, and I'm relatively hooked into the Ivy community, and there's, there's a ton of Ivy League coaches and assistant coaches that say this kid's a real stud on so many levels. Um, uh, arm strength, uh, football IQ, obviously the the quintessential son of a coach. So I I th- I think we're going to see that kid, you know, at some point starting at, at quarterback for Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Rutgers hasn't exactly had a ton of uh, great quarterback play over the last decade. I think the last QB that even really showed anything was Gary Nova in, you know, what was that, 2013, 2014? So – yeah. Doesn't Ray Lucas still have eligibility? <laughs> we'll have to ask him. Um, I don't know how much, uh, how much how much he's got left in his arms or legs at this point, but yeah, he was another great for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Richard, we've gone through a ton of topics with you and we really appreciate you joining again. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on that we, we haven't talked about? You know, I, I've heard from some sources, I don't know how good they are that, Papa Conte uh, 
is maybe not as firmly committed to Michigan as people think. I have hmm. I have hmm. no independent verification. I I do know about you know he he was really close is really close with Gavin Griffiths. I I, I don't know what's going on with him. And it would be a complete wild card if that ever happened. I, I do know a while ago that I was told that an assistant coach at Pitt, who used to coach at the prep school that he's at right now, was pretty close with him. So I, you know, I might consider monitoring that situation. And, and I'm not saying on any level that he's going to Rutgers. I'm just saying that that might be a situation worthy of some monitoring. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because there was some rumors that there was possibly an academic issue with him getting into Michigan around his ESL course, I think it was. Um, so interesting that you're also hearing that he might be not as firmly committed to Michigan as, as it may seem. Yeah, I mean, English is a second language is not an academic problem for a kid. It doesn't mean he's not intelligent. It, yep. You know, it, it, it's I, I listen, you, all, the three of us have spoken English since birth. But I've been told by people trying to learn English that it's one one hard language to understand. I mean, just take the word two, you know, yeah. T-W-O, T-O, and T-O-O. It's got three different meanings. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's definitely overlooked at how difficult it is mm-hmm. moving to a new country, learning a language at a level that you can learn in college, at a high-level college, nonetheless, in Michigan. Uh, it's not easy, and I think we kind of, overlook that a lot when the, cause there's so many foreign kids now that are high level athletes coming in and making an impact. So yeah, it's definitely an overlooked uh, aspect of, you know, we, we definitely overlook at as English speakers. I agree with you. And, yeah. and, and I wanted to add another point, you know, people say that, you know, NIL may be low at Rutgers, may be low at other places, you know, people get NIL from other sources other than collectives. I mean, they're, they're, and I'm not saying this happens at Rutgers, but, it's not only through a collective in which people get NIL money. So I have a pretty good handle that the Rutgers NIL collective is not, you know, it's certainly active. It's certainly uh, people have worked their tails off on it, but you know, there's probably not the number there that there is at other places, but NIL does come from other sources other than pure collectives. Yeah, it seems like the collectives are great for for kind of amassing the small time donors, the ones who can give, you know, a hundred, a thousand, whatever, but not offer, you know, a hundred thousand dollar NIL deal on their own. So it's nice to kind of like gravitate, you know, the average fan, but not necessarily the the super donors. Yeah, I mean, we I think I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast. We had a really good NIL collective event after Rutgers beat Ohio State in basketball at the rack. We we walked over and, and Steve Peichel talked to the group to um to the Rutgers Club, which by the way, if anybody hasn't been there, that's a that's a really great place to have lunch or dinner. And and it's literally a three minute walk from the rack. And, you know, people people really I, I, I have a handle on some of the numbers. People really stepped up at that event. Huge. I believe right after that game, a certain five-star player committed as well. I'm yeah, sure that's a- just a coincidence. Ace Bailey committed in the locker room after the game, but it has nothing to do with the event that took place at the Rutgers Club. As a matter of fact, uh, and obviously Steve couldn't talk about it, yeah. uh, at 
but but somebody else did raise it. I didn't even know it until I got to the Rutgers Club and until somebody said it. I had no idea. The craziest story about that is I remember after the game, some national like college football recruiter, like recruiting expert, said sources are telling me that Ace Bailey has committed to Rutgers. So like none of the local guys had it. Uh, first, it was some like random national guy, and then it slowly yeah. like spread across the 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 uh, the press room that Ace Bailey committed, and uh, just totally blew up on social media. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that Brian Fonseca was still in the building. Yeah, when Ace Bailey was in the building, when Ace Bailey went into the locker room and walked out, because I did communicate with Brian that night. Yeah, yeah. Was. Craig Epstein was in the press room, and we have a group chat at, at the the night report, and we had texted Chris about it, and he told the entire press room. So that's kind of how the press room found out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but I yeah, and Brian Fonseca, by the way, is really good, and he's really you know just uh, obviously Jerry Carino is the dean of all this stuff, but Brian's really good. Uh, you know, his his focus is Rutgers only. Yep. Yeah. All right, Richard, well, we really appreciate you joining us once again. Um, everybody who's tuning in, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, this has been another edition of the Net Report Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.